Let me see you put them up. Reach the skies, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. I'm Patrick Bidev, your host of ITM, and today I'm going to talk to you about the top 10 criticisms we get as entrepreneurs. One of the reasons why people give up is they buy into other people's comments and criticism. Everyone's going to criticize you, and we're going to talk about the top 10 criticisms here in a minute, but people buy into it. The other one is they set high expectations and constantly not hit them, meet them. If you constantly set a goal and you constantly don't hit it, your words mean nothing to your spirit and your mind anymore. So you keep setting goals, but you're not gonna hit it because you keep saying you're not hitting it, right? So they set such big goals and milestones and they keep not hitting it. Eventually they throw in the towel and say, I'm not gonna do anything else, so they give up. The other one is they said unclear and confused. They're unclear and confused about the purpose. So the question always goes back to, listen, why are you doing this business? Why are you doing this? What's the purpose of you doing this? Why are you making money? Why is it important? You keep used to tell me you want to make a million a year. Why do you want to make a million dollar year income? Why is it important to buy a big house? Why do you want to make $100,000 a year or a quarter million dollars a year or half a million dollars a year? Why do you want that nice car? Why do you want to travel and see the world? Why are you doing this? Why are you working so hard? The more you ask that question and go deeper where disconnect, not necessarily this, disconnect, the more you don't give up. But if this doesn't connect, it's only this, I'm making money because everybody else is making money. Too empty, doesn't have a lot of weight behind it. Why are you making money? Why are you working so hard? Because I wanna see the look on my mother's face when she no longer has to work at the 99 cent store for the rest of her life. That was my reason. I no longer wanted to see the look on my dad's face of working at a 99 cent store in Inglewood, which she worked for 15 years. I don't wanna see that look. But I didn't know before, once I got clear, my purpose cleared up, right? And many times, once we hit the goal, we don't get clear about the next goal again, which you gotta continuously do. Then the fourth one is, the fourth one is typically the one. They don't know how to come back from a humiliating experience. Let me explain what I mean by that. How to come back from a, a humiliating experience. Look, have you ever uh, uh, gone to a sales appointment or made a sales call and it was so embarrassing, you were so embarrassed that you don't want anybody to know about it. And has that ever happened with you and your friends? Have you ever had an experience where a handful of your friends, you're sitting there and you talk about your goals and dreams and what you want to build? You ever had any friends laugh at you? Think about it. Or coworkers laugh at you? Or a mother, father, relative laugh at you? Has that ever happened to you? Have you fully failed miserably where you told everybody you're going to do something and it never happened and you wanted to hide in a smallest hole and just get away from everybody, right? Humiliation is very difficult. I remember when that happened to me the first time. It's happened many times in my life. I've had many, many humiliating experiences that it can crush you if you don't fully understand it because we don't want anybody else to see that we said something and didn't happen that hurts us, that breaks us down, right? But I'm gonna tell you the better part of it. If you go through that experience and you fully allow it to happen to you and you dig deep and figure the bigger part of life out, you're gonna come out a whole different human being. Let me explain something to you here. I want you to think about your Ronda Rousey, okay? Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. You, you'll hear different names on the way they pronounce her last name, but let's just Ronda Rousey. And you are on top of the world. Everybody's watching how amazing of a fighter you are. We're all fans, everybody's rooting for you. Think about this for a moment here. Everybody is rooting for you, right? And all of a sudden, you're on a Jimmy Fallon show 
And on the Jimmy Fallon show, Jimmy asks you about this girl you're about to fight, Holly Holm. And you say the following thing. I want you to watch what she says in the interview before the fight. She read exactly who Holly Holm was. She said she's a 19-time boxing champion, never been beaten. She's undefeated. She's this, she's that, she's that. And I know what she's going to do. She's going to try to beat me with a kick, but it's not going to happen because I already know that's what she's going to happen. Watch what she says here in the interview. Talk about your opponent here. This is your home, uh, opponent here, Holly Holm. That's like a nice person. Yeah. She's, she's a nice chick, you know. She's yeah. nice. I don't have anything against her. I mean, she's a nice chick that's going to lose. But Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You're going to lose that one. Now, do you pick the time that you're going to win on this one? No. Uh, this one's going to be a much longer fight because she's a 19-time boxing world champion with 100% takedown defense and, like, head kick knockouts. I mean, she's... She's undefeated, an amazing athlete, I think the biggest threat definitely to me, especially on paper and stylistically. And she's the type of fighter that you have to be very, very patient with. I feel like she's gonna try and like keep distance and keep far away from me and get me frustrated until yeah. a point I'll make a mistake and she can try and kick me in the head, but it's not gonna go like that. <laughs> not the way that she wants. So you heard what Rhonda said. Now watch this, this is Jimmy Fallon. There is no show on national television that's more popular than Jimmy Fallon, right? On YouTube, the video's got right now six million views. So she says, but it's not gonna happen. No one's gonna kick me in the neck. And what happens in the fight? And it's all Holly Holm. Boom. Cutting angles, catching Ronda moving in. Boom, again. Boom. Nice elbow. elbow. Ronda went back to her corner, exhausted, breathing heavy for the first time. We've never seen that inside the octagon. Stayed light on her feet. She was in excellent shape. Look at this. Ronda's hurt here. Boom! Head kick goes down and Holly is all over her. And that was one of the keys to victory that we talked about. Saw that vicious kick, exactly what she did. She knocked her out in the neck. And what's amazing is there's one side where if Hollywood had said, I'm gonna knock her out by kicking her upside her neck. No, she didn't say that. Rhonda said what was gonna happen to her and happened. Let me say it one more time. You can fight somebody and they'll say, I'm gonna knock him out with an uppercut. And it happens. Great, you're a hero. But you're the opponent. Rhonda says she's going to try to be, knock me out with a kick, and it happens. Is there anything more humiliating to that uh, than that? So then watch how she, uh, what happens to her a month, month and a half. Nobody sees it. Nobody hears about her. Nothing. Then she's on Ellen DeGeneres, and look what this made her do. Look what point she got to. Did you, I mean, did you worry for a minute? Like, could this be permanent? Did I really hurt myself, and maybe I'll, I won't do this again? No, to be honest, like what I was saying, like my honestly, like my thought, I was like, I was like uh, in the medical room and I was like down in the corner, I was sitting in the corner and I was like, what am I anymore if I'm not this? And I was literally sitting there and like thinking about killing myself in that exact second. I'm like, I'm nothing. I'm like, what do I do anymore? And no one gives a shit about me anymore without this. And then I'm... Um, to be honest, I looked up and I saw my man, Travis, was standing there and I was looking up at him and I was just like, I need to have his babies. I need to stay alive. <laughs> that was like, really, that was You need to stay alive. <laughs> when you watch this interview and you see her pain, you feel it. You know how she's saying, I wanted to commit suicide and I was sitting, I'm like, what else am I gonna find? If I can't do this, who am I? What am I, what am I doing? And then she's looking at Travis and saying, but I want to have his kids and I want to do this and I want to do that. And she's getting emotional. You can feel the pain. So here's the thing that it goes back to. She's on Ellen DeGeneres. She's on Jimmy Fallon. 
Seven billion people around the world, they know who this woman is. She's become a rock star. She's somebody everyone knows about, but she got humiliated at the highest possible level. Think about when she goes in the streets, how people are gonna react to her and what they're gonna say about her. Think about her best friends, what they say. Her cousins, her sister, brother, fam. Think about gatherings. Oh, she got knocked out by Holly. Think about that for a moment. And I myself, I'm a Rondo fan, but I'm gonna tell you what feeling is one of the most greatest feelings in the world. I'm gonna take this feeling, you know, and you need to embrace this feeling here. There is nothing, there are not a lot of feelings as good as a feeling of redemption, of redeeming yourself. Look, there's something about us as human beings and mostly Americans were, were, were about the underdog story of coming back and wanting to see somebody win big. This is generally how the energy is around the world. We like the underdog. So if the main person that's supposed to win Rhonda is facing Holly, some people want to see Holly win. But when this person gets crushed, people also want to see this person redeem themselves and become a hero. That's the story of redemption. We like the story of redemption. So as much as you may be going through a difficult time and somebody said something to you, was it as public of a humiliating event as Rhonda's on Jimmy Fallon and Ellen DeGeneres? Was it that public? Then if it wasn't that public, guess what? You still got a lot of work to do because we're still not at that level yet where the world knows exactly what Rhonda's doing. But the key is from the highest level to a great one that everybody knows in their space to somebody that's an entrepreneur running a business, criticism is a part of it. And I'm gonna talk about the top 10 common criticisms entrepreneurs get and you need to know this before it happens to you so you don't know, oh my gosh, are they just telling me, am I the only one that's going through this? No, I'm gonna share the ones there is. There are hundreds I've heard. I'm just giving you the top 10. So let's start off with the first one. Number one, you're greedy. All you care about is money. So when you become an entrepreneur, you're gonna hear friends and family, and some people say you're greedy, all you care about is money. And this is one of the most, um, it's almost a misconception when people say, you, you know, all you care about is money, as if becoming an entrepreneur, you make more money the first two or three years, right? You don't become an entrepreneur and you make more money. When you become an entrepreneur, you sacrifice your W-2 salary because you no longer have a steady income. You no longer have health insurance. You no longer have the steady check whether you do anything or not. You don't have that anymore. There is a lot of risk to becoming an entrepreneur. So if somebody says you're only driven by money, the reality of it is, isn't it the employee that's more driven by money who wants the money now versus the entrepreneur who doesn't want the money now, wants it later? I kind of think this side is a little bit more greedy than this side. At least this side is trying to say, I'm willing to delay it a little bit and get it later. And this side saying, I want it right now. Right? So who is really the greedy one? But they're going to convince a lot of people and make you believe that all you care about is money. That's all you care about. All you care about is money. Everything to you is about money. That's a criticism. Number two, you're not the same anymore. This is a difficult one because a lot of times it's tough. Um, it's tough for people to hear a friend or family say, you know, Mario, you're not the same anymore. You've changed. I don't recognize you anymore. What happened to you? You used to be nice. We used to talk. Now you speak this language of books and all this other stuff as if you think you're better than us. It, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with you, man. I miss the old you. I miss this. I miss that. Very common. Another one. You don't have a balanced life. You're working too hard. Your life is not balanced. It's not healthy to have a life like this. As you're working late nights, you get up early, you leave early, 
It's, you're supposed to be home at five o'clock. This is not how life's supposed to be. This is why people in Europe are happier because people in Europe come home earlier. They're urlaub. They have, you know, this, this 30 day vacations and Americans work too hard and you're too driven and too much about competition, too much about this, too much about that. You're working way too hard. Balance your life. The key is to have a balanced life, which in reality, the same people that tell you to have a balanced life watch 40 hours of TV per week. They don't have a balanced life. So what balanced life? You want to tell me how to balance life? To have all the shows on TV to be known about? The people that make the national TV shows, syndicate shows do well, are the ones that have the balanced lives. They're the ones that come home at five o'clock and watch all those televisions. Entrepreneurs don't necessarily make them money. It's the traditional nine to fivers that make all those night shows do well, because they come home and watch those shows. Next, you're too cocky, man. You know, you're too cocky, you've changed a little bit. You're too cocky, you're becoming too arrogant. You're becoming way too cocky and arrogant lately. Point number five is probably the most important point, in my opinion. And that is when people say, man, entrepreneurs, you are just way too obsessed with your business. All you ever want to talk about is your business. I am so sick and tired of hearing about what you're doing with your business and what happened this month and what happened. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You're obsessed. You're almost ADHD. You're not hearing anything I'm telling you. You're manic. You're, you're semi-obsessed with what you're doing. This is not healthy for you. And if you're new going through this, you may be confused yourself a little bit because you're going to say, maybe I am obsessed. Maybe I'm overbearing. Maybe I'm talking about it too much. But let me completely make you think about it, help you think about it in a completely different way. Here's what it is. Think about a woman who's pregnant, seven months pregnant with their first child. What do you think is what they're going to talk about majority of the time? Their pregnancy. What happens if that same girl gives birth to their first newborn child? And for the first however many years, what are they talking about? Their kid. What happens when a person is about to get married and their wedding is three months away? All they talk about is their wedding. What happens when someone's about to go on their honeymoon? They talk about their honeymoon. What happens when someone's about to, you know, they, uh, obsessed with whatever they're doing, college, class, tests, finals, they're involved in what they're doing. And generally, most people after school, when they get a job, they're no longer obsessed about many things that they were prior to that. It's typically just regular day-to-day -day stuff that everybody else is going to get obsessed with. So you'll hear people say, oh, you won't believe how friends show. Did you see what happened on Friends today? Did you see who this person is dating? Did you see that Angelina, Jolie, and Brad Pitt, and then Jennifer Aniston, and all this other stuff? And did you see what happened with CSI? And did you see what happened with Desperate Housewives? And did you see what happened with this... While the most will be obsessed with TV shows, talk shows, other people's lives, and they want to question an entrepreneur's life about, uh, you know, obsession, you stay focused on your, what you're doing and you keep your obsession at the level that it is uh, because, you know, you're going to be criticized about that and don't let the majority confuse you and make you think that you have some problem that you're being way too obsessed about the project that you're doing. Here's point number six. Six. You set unrealistic goals. Man, what becoming a millionaire? Do you realize who you are? Do you realize how your grades were in school? You're a nobody, man. Listen, we're nobodies. We're just regular people. You think you're going to make a million dollar year income? Come on now. That's not going to happen to you. You're just a regular guy, man. Come, Stop buying all these dreams. Unrealistic goals. Seven, you're reckless. You're a little too risky. You're way too risky. You got to slow your roll. Too risky. You're taking too many risks. I'm concerned about all the risks you're taking. Eight, you're not happy. You are not happy. Isn't it amazing that other people want to decide whether you're happy or not? To me, there's a big difference between happy and content. There's being content and then there's being happy. A lot of times we uh, don't fully process the difference between contentment and happiness. Contentment is 
Somebody says, I'm just content making 60 a year and I'm good coming home. I'm totally fine. I don't need to make more money. I'm completely comfortable where I'm at. I'm content. But the happy person is, but I'm happy because I'm creating, I'm advancing, I'm growing. I'm part of something bigger than me. I'm part of something that I've never seen before. You have no idea what's about to happen the next three, six, 12 months. It's so incredible. This is creating this happiness for me. And other people think you're not happy because you're in the hunt for something else. Number nine, you're too competitive. You're way too competitive. This one's always a strange one. When people say you're way too competitive. You know why it's so strange? Let me tell you why sometimes when people say uh, uh, you're too competitive, uh, I get confused because the first question I ask myself, you said I'm too competitive. Yeah, you're way too competitive. Uh, what's your favorite sports team? Oh, man, I love my Cowboys. Oh, what's your? I love the Yankees, man. I, listen, I see all these sports teams. Why do, you, why do you like sports so much? Man, there's nothing like sports, you know. Da, 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 da. Oh, you like sports. Would, would you watch sports if there was no records? You think Golden State's going to have the biggest, best record of all time? Oh, I don't know what that's going to happen. It looks like they may beat Chicago's and they may beat and this person beat and that person knocked that and this person beat. What is beat? Beat is stem from competition. What is knock that stem from competition? What is ranking stem from competition? What is who scores the most points per game stem from competition? Who wins the most champions stem from, stem from competition? So the difference is this. It's not that I'm too competitive. It just so happens that you may be a fan and I'm somebody that's playing in the stadium and you've chosen to be a fan. Both of us are competitive. You cheer, some play in the stadium. Now, the play, people that play in the stadium, they cheer for other people as well because I cheer for great actors. I cheer for great athletes. I cheer for all these other guys. But I also chose to compete in the space that I have. I also chose to want to dominate in the space that I have because that's what I chose to do as an entrepreneur. So you've chosen to just be a fan. In case some of you that watch this and you say, Man, I, that's that's the way you explain that because I felt like I was being too competitive. I was being because they said you're this, you're that. No, if you're not competitive in the world of entrepreneurship, you will be out of business very, very quickly in the world of entrepreneurship. And by the way, let me tell you this: this is not about nine to five, folks, because there's a lot of people that work at a company and they have a job, but they 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 work as if they're so competitive and they're driven and they're working on themselves so much. So eventually, they become a VP senior vice president, they become a president of the company, CEO of the company, and they move up because they're competitive. They're still having a W-2, but they're also competitive. And last point here, you got lucky. It's one of the common things you'll hear when you make it. You kind of don't mind hearing that because when somebody says that about you, it means you've already made it. They'll say you got lucky. You know you got lucky. You know that person helped you out. You know this person did this for you. You know that person did this for you. And yes, yes, because I asked for help. Yes, because we worked as a team. Yes, because we were willing to share the success and the credit and the accolades and all that stuff together. Yes, of course. I don't mind that. I don't have a problem with being that. But they say it in a way as if to take the credit away from you that if they tried it, they wouldn't get lucky because you got lucky. Look, you can call me lucky all day long. I do not have a problem with the name lucky and you shouldn't either. If somebody calls you lucky, you should say thank you for that compliment. I don't mind being called lucky. I'd rather be lucky than not lucky. I mean, if you have a choice between the two, which one would you rather be? You nobody, nobody minds getting lucky. You, 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 you choose to be lucky. So it's important to know this. So when those comments and statements are made to you, you're not sitting there saying, 
I'm the only person that feels this way. No, it's called Welcome to the World of Entrepreneurship, where criticism happens at the highest level. And the more you move up, just expect a lot more before it to happen to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick David, And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.